Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. I think if you can accept and lean into the artistry of the mundane (laughs) and that there is infinite beauty in those little things, then you always have something to document and you don't have to feel like, oh, I'm not going to a bunch of (laughs) beautiful places and traveling all over and going to parties and looking beautiful and what like, that's the only way to document, you know, you can lean into what you have. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 192. In this episode, I'm joined by Amanda Wilder to chat about strategies for staying connected, motivated, and moving forward when chronic illness is part of your creative life. And before we jump into the episode, I wanted to let you know that registration for the 2023 planning party will open next Monday, October 24th. The planning party is our once a year event to help you plan your year your way. And best of all, it's completely free. And now my conversation with Amanda. Hey, Amanda, welcome to Scrapbook Your Way. Hi, Jennifer. I am excited about our conversation today. Can you share a little bit more about yourself with our audience? Sure. So I am currently living just outside of Denver after having moved 10 times in the last 14 years, hopefully here to stay a while. Uh, I'm an instructional designer. I used to be a teacher at um, in TESOL at universities. So instructional design was sort of a natural next step from there. And I used to be an event planner before that. And I was a professional dancer in my 20s, mostly ballet and modern dance before that. So a lot of career changes. But I live with my husband, who is a photojournalist by training, and he now works with photos in other ways, but that's very handy to have as a scrapbooker. We live with two senior pugs who are professional snorers pretty much now, (laughs) and they are very important in our lives and have been super important to me as someone living with a fatigue and pain-based illness. Having them around has been an uh, emotional support for me. So they're a big part of our family too. Oh, I bet. I did not know that you were an instructional designer. I actually investigated kind of going back to school to to do more of that in my life. Oh, no way. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. A lot of people don't really know what it is and it's just any kind of learning experience is usually for better or worse is is uh instructional design. So yeah. 
all the people I asked based on like my interests were like, you should just hire an instructional designer rather than like, <laughs> tra- it's, becoming it's trained. A lot. Yeah, so. it's a lot. If you, well, I had to do a lot of it anyway, because I worked yeah. with non-native speakers. You end up designing a lot of your own curriculum anyway, because mm-hmm. there isn't really the best curriculum really <laughs> for, out there always for, for the specific needs of those learners. So um yeah, so I ended up doing a lot of that anyway. So that's been a good fit. Yeah, very interesting. So in terms of your memory keeping hobby, what's exciting you right now? I am so excited for the seasonal scrapbooking, like the October to December haul, which I think for a <laughs> lot of scrapbookers is like the time, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> and I'm you know, not moving. I'm in a place I'm hopefully going to be in for a while and I'm feeling more stable than I've been in a long time in terms of health and stuff. So I'm just super excited about doing all of those projects. I'm going to do an October, I'm not going to say daily, but I'm going to do an October album and a thankful album and a December album. And I'm just going to take all the pictures of the fall leaves and be super basic as heck or whatever (laughs) because that's honestly just where I'm at right now Um, especially after being in LA for five years and not having had a fall for for that long and being somebody who you know was from the Pacific Northwest who loves fall I am just super I'm like ready for that documenting that's so fun maybe we need to like come up with a like, what is a basic scrapbooker? <laughs> Maybe yeah. have uh, Brandy Kincaid draw some doodles for us. Yeah, <laughs> like the little, the, 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 the woman caricature who's the basic. I mean, and I don't even, I kind of make fun of the term basic. Because oh, totally. It's, it's so, you know, we all know it's so silly, but I really feel like all those things right now, like I want to wear fall leaves sweatshirts and like yeah. <laughs> cozy sweaters and have my latte and all those cliche things. Well, I think it's it's hard this time of year because these months are so packed in together. I feel like I have to kind of restrain myself to what's realistic. And I think we're going to get into some of that in our conversation, too. When we have all these different factors in our lives, how do we make choices about our hobby? Yeah, it's tough for sure. (laughs) Just don't. Just don't make choices. Just do whatever. Just do it all. Yes. Okay. So, Amanda, what's on your memory-keeping bucket list? So this is a story that you've not yet told but feels really important to capture. Oh, I have so many of these. I was having trouble deciding. I'll tell you two short ones. So one is a letter to my future children, which I wrote when I decided to stop IVF treatments, which were unsuccessful. And I knew that if I had children, they weren't going to come from me. And so I like wrote this letter to my future children. And it kind of makes me cry. Sure. <laughs> Even now when I read it, but I really want to document it and capture like that moment. And then I want to do an uh, like an album or an overview of all the 10 homes my husband and I have lived in since we got married 14 years ago and like kind of how we made, learned to make a home wherever we were <laughs> in all different kinds of homes. But the big one on my list is um, when my husband and I were dating, he taught a night photography class. He, is a, he was working at National Geographic magazine and teaching these night photography classes on the side with a friend and it was in the early dating you know 
year <laughs> months. Um, sure. And he was teaching the class and he showed me like how to, we went out to near the Capitol and it was in December and the Christmas tree was all lit up and it was very magical and romantic. And he like sh- showed me how to set up my tripod and how to do a slow um, exposure so that you would get like really cool light streaks and stuff. And I took this picture of the Christmas tree in front of the Capitol that like had these really cool streaks coming off of the lights of the tree that lit up the Capitol. And I posted it to my Flickr, which was the thing back uh-huh. in the day. Yes. <laughs> and I hashtagged it for the DCist, which is the little DC local newspaper in DC. Yep. And they picked it up and put it on their front page the next morning. And I was, just, it was the, so it's a whole memory of like, dating and like our shared love of photography and getting into that and then having my photo featured and I've never I have this incredible photo I've never documented it all right so so what year was that 2006 I'm gonna say 2000 it was it's still in the bush era yeah so I lived in in DC 2004 to 2008 so I may have seen that photo like I didn't know. know that in the oh vestibule of a restaurant or wherever yeah, it was. So. That is so funny. I didn't even know that. Okay, we have to talk DC sometime. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I got to get that documented. Yeah, that's a really cool story. Yeah. And I like how it, that one, you know, the other stories you mentioned maybe were a little bit more um, like expansive. Like there's a lot of layers and meaning and depth. But this is like very specific. Like this is one story that you could sit down and and just do because it has uh, more of a box around it yeah yeah it'd be one layout yeah it's that's fun I love it yeah all right so I wanted to have you on the show to talk about the ebb and flow of creativity and then of course we all have different reasons why we go through that Um, and you've already shared a little bit that you deal with chronic health issues and we actually even Mm -hmm. had to reschedule our conversation because you were not feeling up to recording the first time. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's a very real part of your life. Mm -hmm. Can you go a little deeper into how, um, scrapbooking and other creative pursuits are part of your life? It's a big, big part of my life. I consider, you know, creativity, making art, whatever category you want to put it in is, part of health, uh, mostly mental health, but also physical health. Um, it's just as important to me as, as those other things. Um, and when I found it, it was like the perfect trifecta or quadfecta, whatever the <laughs> word be, because, you know, I'm a variety seeker and there aren't a lot of things that keep my attention or keep my sort of endorphins, you know, <laughs> up for a long enough time to really be into it. But things that have like infinite possibilities and iterations tend to be what I'm drawn to. And so, you know, if you look at scrapbooking, uh, it can be like four types of infinite iteration types of things. You know, you have photography and you have writing and you have graphic design, and then you have art, illustration, mixed media, whatever. And each of those have so many different (laughs) aspects that you could dive into in so many basically infinite different ways. And there's not really a limit. So when you combine them, there's always something new to try, something new to learn. And so for my personality type, that's 
very good. And aside from reading, I would say it's like one of the few things um, that is really, I just, I don't have to work at all to be excited about it. And it's been, you know, almost, it's been over nine years of on and off. And, um, you know, I've done all the things, Project Life, December Daily was really what sucked me in. I, I um, had done a scrapbook that my aunt and my mom kind of collaborated to get me for Christmas when my aunt was working at Archivers. It was a Simple Stories album. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea about any anything in this world. And I got the Simple Stories album. And I was like, this is really fun. Like, what else is in this world? And <laughs> and I went to um, visit my aunt where she was working at an ar- Archivers when I was visiting my family in Denver. And she was like, oh, are you doing a December daily? And I was like, what's a December daily? And she was like, oh, you have to go look up Allie Edwards. And she wrote Allie Edwards' name down on a piece of paper that I still have today. Ooh, and I, I went and I looked her up. It was, I think it was 2013, the end of, or the end of 2012. I think it was the end of 2013 when she was collaborating with Studio Calico for yes. the kit. I bought the kit. I got the class. I was like, what is this digital? What is a silhouette? What is she doing? I want to know everything about all of this. And I was just obsessed. I could barely even focus on teaching the end of the semester because I was so like obsessed. (laughs) Was that the year where everybody was like having their mind blown that there was yellow in the kit? Oh, I don't know. It was the year of like the chipboard album that she painted the cover of. Oh, okay. That's the main thing that I, the the distinguishing factor. And like her day one was like this overlay on top of her house. It was like a digital overlay, which is so simple. But at the time it like blew my mind. I was like, what is this thing? And how do you do it? Yeah. (laughs) How was this magic made? (laughs) This is so visually awesome. And you're telling the story of your life. Like I want to know everything. And I was just totally, that was my gateway drug. And I was completely hooked and, you know, done everything, Project Life and Traveler's Notebook and traditional and mixed media and mini albums. Like, I just like it all. I I love this point that you made about being an understanding and maybe honoring yourself as a variety seeker and embracing that part and knowing that that's why this whole hobby and its expansiveness can can suit you so well. I think oftentimes we're beating ourselves up because we can't just focus on one thing mm-hmm. or why can't we just keep, why do we always want something different? And some of mm-hmm. us have those personalities. We like trying new things and we like variety and that that's very satisfying. Um, mm-hmm. And I think society tells us, no, that's bad, but really it's what's keeping you going. As you said, that's what keeps you connected to the hobby is that you have an endless array of possibilities. Yeah, there's a term. Um, God, I wish I could think of it right now. It's on a TED Talk. It's um, like, oh, multi-potentialite. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've seen that one, but it's a great one to look up. And if you are somebody who kind of has a, a lot of different jobs or a lot of different backgrounds, and they talk about how some people find one thing and they dig into it, and that's great. But we also need people who pull together from lots of different areas and sort of connect different ideas and that that's also important. So if you feel bad about it, that's a good thing to look. It's also called hummingbird personality types sometimes, but yeah. It's also like multi-passionate as well. So yeah. 
very validating to find that it's like a thing and others, others are like this yes. and it's valuable. You know, it's like, oh yeah. Yes. And how can we, how can we leverage this as a strength uh-huh. rather than uh, trying to force ourselves into a box that we don't yes. want to fit into? Yes. And other people's voices in our heads. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So what types of projects are you working on in September, 2022? You know, it's, it's pre, it's not October yet. So even though you're thinking about these other projects, what are you actually working on right now? Uh, I'm finishing up my little summer joy album. I led a a little um, project that was started by um, Julie, forgetting her last name right now, but um, in 2016. And it's a project that I just really loved because I don't like summer that much. So the challenge of finding little joys during summer is really great for me. So we had a little Zoom hangout last weekend and I got a lot of what I need to finish up the project together. So doing that. And then I've recently gotten into a style of more like a creative journal mm-hmm. um, that uh, it's a little bit woo. <laughs> I kind of just, uh, it's, it's, I was inspired by Quinn Bully, Mindful Hookup. She does like kind of a creative journaling on uh, this thing she calls morning magic, but I do a lot of really sterile things in the medical world. So I think I'm sort of drawn to things that are the opposite of that sometimes. And so I've been doing a little bit of like drawing a tarot card for as a journaling prompt. And mm-hmm. I like practical magic through everyday explorers. I think she still sells them um, where it's not necessarily like literal, but it's a way to like, kind of touch into your intuition in a different way and and we're not encouraged to do that that much in regular life it's very important for me so kind of journaling about that and my yoga practices and um like if I'm reading a quote book or doing I do um act therapy so I have an act journal which is super helpful to me and there's like quotes from that so I'm just doing some washi tape and some stamps and then getting kind of capturing pieces from all these things that are kind of um, meaningful and reflective has been really fun for me. Cause I've always done a lot of reflection, but I don't always capture it creatively. Um, mm. So I haven't, sh- I kind of have it shared on a secret Instagram, <laughs> but if I, if I get confident enough, maybe I'll, I'll share it officially. But how, how, what is the experience? How is it different for you? Um, doing these types of projects versus, you know, thinking back to when you've done Project Life, for example. Um, How's the experience feel and what's what's it doing for you? Um, well, it's always nice to try something new again because of the, the variety. But I think it's, a, of course, it's a little more free. And I've, I've always wanted to do like a commonplace book or something like that. But I have a, a big internal life um again with I'm an ENFP on Myers-Briggs if that means anything and I have um you know I especially since getting sick I have a lot of um I read a lot and I have a lot of reflections and so I feel like instead of just sort of having them and then letting them go after that day I can sort of um go back to them and sort of have them nourish me when I need to from that, that book. And then also it's just fun to see it. Um, now I feel like I need to show you, but 
it's fun. it's fun to see it like with the date and the it's it's just a you know like um I do a lot of Ali Edwards type of documenting when I do like a project like which is very like graphic design photojournalism sort of a style and yep. this is much more like boho like you know kind of relaxed and flowy and I think it that is good for me like to kind of lean into that a little bit I don't know if that answers your question or makes any sense but I'm curious is it good for you because it helps you like kind of combat perfectionism what, why no, is it like, I think like, it's more it something else I think it's more like the academic part of me is always sort of at odds with the more spiritual, for lack of a better word, and like sure. the intuitive side of me. But that is a big part of me. And so I'm always trying to figure out healthy ways to have that be a part of my life that feel authentic, that don't feel, you know, not true to who I who I am. And um, or, you know, like a lot of the... <laughs> In the wellness world, there's a lot of BS, honestly, <laughs> like, and in the yoga world in terms of like this, if you just drink enough green juice, this will cure you or if you just yes. think positively enough or whatever. So I really moved away from all of I got so tired of that when I was really sick and tra- traveling all over the country and trying everything, you know, under the sun. And so I think it's, it's helping me come back to that part of myself in a way that feels not icky. <laughs> that makes sense yeah I, I mean I you want to feel like um you want to feel grounded and aligned with your values while still um using your uh intellectual strengths to yep. decipher what's real from what's not real I guess <laughs> right yeah it's like I want to be able to sort of still believe that the world is magical in a way and that I have this intuitive side of myself that's sort of magical in a sense, but that, you know, I'm also, you know, gone to grad school and uh, <laughs> can yeah. be very like on that, that spectrum of things. So that both those, those can exist in my documenting and my creative expression. I mean, that's probably one of the hardest things that we all have to do is to like, getting those dichotomies to coexist together and like accepting them living side by side, even though they sometimes are opposing. So that's yeah. Well, memory keeping and art in general is great for kind of testing. Like I'm sort of testing this, like is doing a tarot card maybe, is that a thing for me? Like, can I do this? It's sort of like, I'm not telling anyone, but, (laughs) but is this like something that, helps me and I'm going to just kind of document how it's going and see. And then maybe I end up saying that like, that's too whatever for me, but it's like in the creative space, you can play with it to learn more and more about who you are. Yes. Yes. So um, would you be willing to share more into some of the personal barriers you have um, that, that prevent you from having all the time, energy and motivation that you'd like to have for being a creative? Sure. Um, yeah, for me, it's just, it's really just energy. Um, motivation is almost never an issue for me when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, you know, people say time is the most valuable resource, but anybody with an illness like me would probably argue that it's energy because without energy, you know, all the time in the world, isn't that, isn't that helpful? Mm -hmm. Um, so that's my main 
trouble. I've been diagnosed with several chronic illnesses and have several that are several things that are undiagnosable at this point and kind of a mystery. Um, and they're mostly fatigue and pain-based illnesses. And I have um, extreme sensitivities to basic things like lighting, uh, temperature, chemicals, different foods. I can't drink caffeine or any alcohol without like a week's long breakdown. Um, I had my thyroid removed years ago after struggling to not have to have it removed. I've had um, really scary, life-threatening thyrotoxic events. And so I finally had it ablated through radioactive iodine. So I have to manage through replacement hormones and that's not really a perfect system. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll become hypothyroid because it's not absorbing well. Um, and the testing on it is not great. So it's like a month behind what's actually happening in your body. So that's fun. Yeah. And, you know, you can't just like test today and it'll be like perfectly matching what your symptoms are. And then I've been diagnosed with hypermobility based fibromyalgia. And I have all different people who have different opinions about what fibromyalgia actually is. But there's definitely a disconnect between my brain and like sensations in my body being interpreted as pain. And then sometimes I, everything is fine, but I just, the fatigue is so overwhelming and I don't, I just don't know why. Like my thyroid seems fine, my, you know, whatever and it's like anything I do will seem to make it worse Mm -hmm. like if I you know just take a walk that can make me more tired for several days and so that's extremely frustrating for somebody who likes to be really active and has a million projects always on deck and things like that so I'm curious what kind of conversations you're having with yourself when like your body is telling you, you have to step back, but your motivation like is continuing to be there. Your brain is going, Oh, I want to do this and this, but physically you can't. It was a lot harder for me. Like the first, Oh, seven to 10 years maybe of being sick. Um, I had always been very active. Obviously it was a professional dancer and I always had multiple things going on in a pretty big social life. And I was used to achieving, you know, sort of classical definitions of success. And of course, all that changed the more I couldn't do normal things. And scrapbooking is hard because uh, when you have something where you have to press pause because time keeps moving forward. Yes. <laughs> scrapbooking is especially the types of daily life scrapbooking that a lot of us like to do. It's, it's time-based and time just keeps moving forward. But over time... I have learned so much that I'm grateful for. I'm not saying I'm grateful for, for being sick at all. I would trade it in for almost any, anything else that I have. Um, but I would say if you let it, being sick teaches you to love yourself and to have true self-compassion. And I feel like I'm finally in a place where I'm okay with what I can do. And some of that is years of learning to manage this and Mm -hmm. better learning of what helps and what doesn't. And a lot of it is still a total mystery. Maybe it will infinitely be so, but I've learned a lot about how to manage. So I have more confidence that I can come back. It's less of like, 
I don't know if I'm ever going to feel better, which is how I, I definitely felt at different periods. And I've learned to spend more energy on accepting and being okay with what I can do and don't judge myself by, by others' lives or the voices of expectation of others mm-hmm. in my head. And just accepting that I will be misunderstood. <laughs> you know, people won't understand why I, I have energy one day and not the next day or, or why, you know, all kinds, there's all kinds of things that people just won't understand. And I know because even when I feel better, I forget even the day before how bad it was <laughs> until I feel it again. Like it's really hard to accept like how bad it is when I'm in it, when I'm out of it and I'm wanting to think it's never going to happen again. So for, so I know that people haven't experienced it can't possibly understand it I can't expect them of them and I can't align myself with those expectations Um, and I think it gives you I heard this quote in a meditation I was doing this morning where they said the artistry of the mundane and I think that's partly what I've learned to do is appreciate things and details that I might not otherwise it was the infinite artistry of the mundane. And that mm-hmm. I was like, that that's what I do. Cause you know, like I can photograph my, I, some people will say, Oh, my life is always the same. <laughs> so how, you know, why do I document? And I never feel that way. Even when I'm in bed every day, <laughs> because I think uh, I could photograph my morning tea. I take a lot of Chinese herbs <laughs> and I could photograph my morning tea in 20 different angles and document all the different thoughts that I'm having while I'm drinking my morning tea, or there's so much texture to the Mm -hmm. blankets on my bed. I was noticing this morning, like we have some new comforters and the way that they looked like in the light. And I was thinking like you could write uh, like sort of a poem about texture and why textures and color and all that is important to have like in our homes. And then I thought, you know, when I read a book, they're like one line in a book, I could have so many thoughts and ideas about that and I could document that. And so I think if you can accept and lean into the artistry of the mundane mm-hmm. <laughs> and that there is infinite beauty in those little things, then you always have something to document and you don't have to feel like, oh, I'm not going to a bunch of <laughs> beautiful places and traveling all over and going to parties and looking beautiful and what it like, that's the only way to document, you know, you can lean into what you have. Yeah. And I think that, um, how do I want to say this, that your the way you've been forced to slow down has allowed you to, to see things with more intention in a way that maybe others can't because they don't, they're not being forced to slow down. Like we can force ourselves but we don't, you know, not everyone elects to do that. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I guess, perhaps another one of those um, celebrations, even amidst the the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, yay, I feel t- <laughs> terrible today. Like, I'm totally mad about it when I yeah. feel terrible. But I, it also, memory keeping, in terms of it being something that I love so much, is important because I have something to look forward to. And that's also why I keep getting 
new supplies, even when I can never use them as fast as I collect them, all these things, because it, it really helps me believe and imagine like, okay, in a few days, I'm going to be doing something really fun. And I can look at my craft supplies and and feel reassured, like I'm going to be back there soon. And so having something to look forward to is really important (laughs) as well when you're getting through a bad day or a bad week or month, whatever. So I'm curious, what is it that really kind of pulls you back in? Or do you have any like strategies that you use? Like what's the first thing you work on? Is it grabbing something fun or managing your photos? Like what, how do you wade your way back in if you've had to step away for a period? Um, it's not hard for me. I'm, I'm usually just so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anytime I have energy to, to scrapbook, I'm like in my little spot and I'm so happy, but you know, sometimes it can look like, like some drunk person, like robbed my house while I was gone. If I've been like out of it, completely non-functional for a week. And so a lot of it, the the frustration is the first part of my time with energy is I have to do some triage and some reconnaissance, I don't know, like sort of get things back to a baseline. So I have to do a lot of like cleaning up and admin Mm -hmm. and like basic tasks. And so it's always tricky for me to say, and I don't know if I'm going to feel, you know, I don't, I don't want to overdo it when I first, you know, I'm I'm feeling better after feeling worse. So I feel like the hardest part is being like, okay, well, I have to do some other things in my life, but I have to force myself to step away from those other things that have been backing up and make sure that I get some creative time, even though those things are backed up. And I think everyone feels like that to an extent, like, right, we can all easily make excuses for why we, or just, you know, accidentally spend all our time doing the dishes and getting through daily life and not, you know, you know, mm-hmm. making time for that. So I think when I've, when I've been away and it's like, Oh, there's so many, so much laundry I need to do. And that kind of, so that's one thing. Um, but I'm kind of like so happy just to be able to do laundry or drive a car safely or go to the library. Like I just feel so lucky. And so, um, I don't really have to push myself to get back in or, or to organize and leave breadcrumbs for myself. Breadcrumb scrapbooker is a term I learned from Kristen Tweedle, but I don't know if she, I think she started it. I don't know. Um, and it really, I just like, I was like, yes, that's what I am because I'm an input person. Like I'm really, and this fits well with, with scrapbooking too. I like to collect all the things. I like to organize all the things. I like to archive. I like to have organizational systems. And so in a way that serves me, um, you know, sometimes there's not enough time or energy to do it, but I'm pretty good about like, I keep lists of projects and ideas on my phone, just in good notes. I don't have a very fancy um, organization system. I have aspirations to that, but, um, but I do keep a constant list of ideas. And then I keep my ephemera. I save a lot of ephemera. I keep that very organized. And then I have like stadium organizers, like one just for my project life and one for traveler's notebooks. And, you know, that has at least all the basics that I need for those projects. So I can just put that near my desk and I'll have, you know, I can kind of just, just go. And I'm, I can 
editing photos is something I can kind of do when I'm sick, depending on if I can look at screens or not. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy editing photos. So I would say that's the hardest thing to sort of keep up on. So I create collections in Lightroom and that really helps me just feel like, okay, I know what my, where my photos are. I can easily go grab them and print them. And all those systems, I think, um, just kind of make it easy when I get that enthusiasm and I'm feeling well and it, it's just like, okay, put this on my desk and, and jump back in. Also, um, I started doing daily pages with Kristen last winter, I think. And that also really helped me and it doesn't have to be daily pages, but any stupid thing you can do daily that's like put a piece of washi tape on your page one day and then like draw the next day or whatever like any stupid thing it just sort of keeps you in that sense that you know where things are on your desk you are capable of sitting down at your desk and making something you know the little things that get in the way like where are those where where is my heat tool where where are those special scissors that I want like you kind of just Like if you can just do one little thing almost every day, just sit down at your desk, even if it doesn't have to be anything special or amazing. But that actually is incredibly valuable because it keeps you in the flow of your own workflow and knowing where things are. That's an excellent point. Yeah. I'm curious if these, the systems that you've created, are these, do these come out of needing them or have you always been a planner and organizer always taking the information and and trying to, to to get it corralled. I think I've always been an organizer. I'm a maximalist in terms of what I have, but I never have everything available to me. I'm always limiting what's actually available to me at any given moment. And that's how I think I can live in the best of both worlds, you know, Yeah, it's like, I have my own sort of scrapbook shop that I live with after collecting for nine years, but I never have that much on my desk or in my project life stadium or whatever. And I think, um, that's something I kind of had to learn. Like I would sort of, I used to just sort of be like, okay, what am I going to grab from my entire stash today? (laughs) You know, to work with and just kind of making, not even kits, but just sort of like a mini craft room and kind of have everything else somewhat out of reach really helps me not be overwhelmed. But yeah, I've always liked, I, I, I read container store magazines for fun when I was a kid and, Oh, same. Totally. Yes. Total (laughs) dork. I had a planner. I loved my, I loved my school planner so much. And uh, I'm not, but I, I tend to have like too many ideas too much going on in my brain. And so having external organization tends to be really helpful. For sure. So I'm curious, as you've evolved with all of your dabbling and and pursuit of variety in your hobby, have you had to like restrain yourself in other ways with different projects so that you feel less behind knowing that you're not going to be able to keep up with, mm. with all the, the, the daily documenting you'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just stopped believing in behind at some point. Mm. And I, this, this 
is not aligned with my personality in a way. And I get the people who say like, I could never not finish an album. It would drive me and like, it would haunt my, my nightmares or whatever. <laughs> like if they don't finish something, like I used to kind of be like that, but I, most of my project lives are a series of pocket pages. They are not every week, just whatever pages I made that year, I put them all together. And that's not my ideal, but I have decided to be happy <laughs> that I could make any, any of those pages that I make, they make me so happy Yes, when I look back at them. And it doesn't matter. It's like, you wouldn't do that with quote unquote traditional scrapbooking, which is just scrapbooking. I don't know why we call it traditional, but um, you know, you wouldn't, if you just make a traditional page, it doesn't have to go into a series or something, right? It might just be one event or one something. And I don't know why we, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, we don't now, a lot of people are like no rules now, right? You know, that's the, it's much better than it used to be in terms of that. And you've done a lot to, to promote that. I know, but that's what I kind of say for myself is like, there's no rules and whatever I do is, is great. And I also, I have an unrealistic belief that anything that's not finished, I can someday go back and finish. And maybe that's just how I have to be at, at peace with at it. Peace, yeah. <laughs> Even though it probably will never happen. Uh, but I, you know, I feel like slowly my health, I kind of learn more about my health and that sort of gets better and better. And so I just, you know, kind of accept pages as pages. Um, and then sometimes like in 2019, I did a really simple December daily that was fairly digital. I think with Liz Tamanaha's um, digitals mostly. And I did it in a three by eight and I just did like one three by eight column every day or like two, you know, a two page spread of that at the most. Yeah. And I did it mostly digitally with like one or two pieces and I love, I did, I filled two albums that way. And I love that album so much and, or the, those two albums. And I didn't go anywhere. I was doing IVF. I couldn't travel. I was stuck in LA where I hardly knew anybody. Like it wasn't like the best Christmas in the world. Um, my mom did visit, which was really nice, but you know, it was, it was so simple, but um, I don't think I ever would have tried that if I weren't like miserable doing IVF and I was like I'm not going to give this up completely but I'm going to find a way to do it so you know maybe, maybe doing something in a totally you know an easier style isn't what I'm drawn to but you know I I found joy in in doing it that way still well I think sometimes we have to like challenge our own beliefs about like what we like to do like I was I was very adamantly I do not put stickers or anything decorative in my planner I'm planning my day so I can get work done and then during the pandemic like everything crumbled around me and I'm like okay take me back to being seven years old give me all the stickers and now I really like it like you know sometimes we need something in order to to get through and sometimes it's releasing that belief you have on yourself like I don't use stickers. So totally. Oh my gosh. My friends know I have such an issue with stickers that I try to get over all the time that I say, well, just the word sticker, I think makes people think 
that it's like juvenile or something, but it's art on just that just happens to be on paper. Yeah. Like once I got past that, I was like, it's just like stamping or anything else. Like it's so fun. But anyway, but yeah, it's like you can, you can shift around it. Nobody should feel like they have to do what they always did or Mm -hmm. if you, you can strongly disagree with your former self. That's okay. (laughs) So, I mean, on that note, you recently became a close to my heart consultant. And so I'm curious, like what, what led to this decision? It's so different (laughs) than anything I've done. Um, But I think, you know, Beth Ann had asked me to do something with her creative team in 2020. And it was just, we had to leave our apartment. It was on that. So I couldn't do it at that time. But, you know, I sort of was, I followed her for a long time. And of course, Heba always shares the inks and she's a good friend. And, and I've used the inks for a long time. So I was looking back (laughs) through old messages. Somehow I came across Beth Ann's old messages and I started to look into close to my heart and you know, like I had mentioned in my short, somewhat awkward little post video post about it was that, you know, uh, in certain ways, it really aligns with the sort of challenges that I have. And aside from that, I want to learn more about doing traditional, whatever you want to call it, 12 by 12 layouts, because I haven't done that a whole lot. But Partly what, this will sound weird because they seem like opposites, but partly what drew to me to it was my experience so far being an Allie Edwards brand ambassador. I think it was her doing that was a really creative way to uh, regroup that, you know, move away from creative teams. Mm -hmm. And I like the freedom that it has. I always said I would never do a creative team partly because of my illness and partly because I don't want to be limited to like, you have to use this product this month, even if you don't like it or whatever. Um, And by this deadline. Yeah. And by this deadline. Yeah. So that, that was like the only time I've ever considered doing anything like that, but I love the industry so much. And I've always thought like, is there some way I could work more or have like some sort of, a challenge, I guess, that's more serious <laughs> within mm-hmm. the industry, like a creative team, but that would fit for me. And that has been such a good fit for me. And, you know, I, I love her brand and her products, of course, like, like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people, it seems like. So this, that gave me a, a taste of something that would actually work for me with my limitations. And so thank you for to Ali Edwards for being so inclusive and finding a way to have people of all different walks of life to be able to participate in the brand. I think that's very cool. And then, so when I looked at Close to My Heart, it was sort of a similar thing. You know, I mean, it's, it's sales in the same way, but it's, uh, you're completely your own business mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty much but they provide the product of course but there's no one telling you you have to use this or that product so I can highlight the things that I really like and I cannot use the things that I really don't like if I have a really high energy week I can do a whole bunch of things if I have a low energy <laughs> week I can you know not it's just it's it's totally the experience is totally customizable for me and I don't know if it'll ever really be a business for me but it's a way that I can 
try to challenge myself to share things that I'm, I'm excited about and, and challenge myself to learn new things and share what I'm learning with other people. Um, So that's the first part. The second really was how they provide these step-by-step instructions for a lot of their kits. Mm -hmm. And I know for experienced scrapbookers that might not sound appealing, but as a teacher, I know an instructional designer, I know that copying exactly is a very important part of learning. And I feel like that's something that's often completely missing in the scrapbooking world. It's like, take this and make it your own. (laughs) And there's nothing that's like, here are the exact things and do exactly what I do. But that is not only an important part of learning, but it's an important part of the creative process. Because when you do something completely, that's not what you would do, you can riff off of that. (laughs) You can get new ideas by doing that first that you might have never expected that you would get by doing that. And so um, that was really appealing to me. And I felt like I tried a couple of them and I was like doing it on days that I would call medium days, like not the days when I completely couldn't do anything, but like a day where I didn't feel that good, but I was kind of making myself do it anyway because I wanted to feel good that I had like done something and I could follow the steps and they give you the exact measurements. They give you every piece of paper. They tell you exactly where to put it. The only thing they don't do for you is the the journaling in your photo, which of course Mm -hmm. is always going to be yours. And then I did that. And then I had an idea for my traveler's notebook, you know, for my little summer joys based on that. And the layout was something I would have never, ever done, like on my own. But I had the satisfaction of like, I I made a layout today, a 12 by 12 layout, which I don't even know that well. And I got to put that in my album. And then I got new ideas from it. And I said, this is good for people who are tired, for people who are, Mm -hmm. are sick, for people who just want to make something and it's part, always going to be partly your own because it's your photo and your story still. It's still going to be your own, but it gives you that extra help. Um, and I have dived into the products and I'm trying to get to know them better so I can be informed about the different products. And I've had so much fun exploring everything that they have. I've been surprised. And as somebody who is a self-diagnosed stamp addict. I have been really impressed with, they have stamps for, you know, everything under the sun, such cute things that I had never, ever seen before. Uh, It's just opening me up to like card making and more 12. I think I've made like 15 12 by 12 layouts in my life, maybe before this. And now I'm feeling so much more confident that I can do that. Um, And I'm getting, you know, learning to make cards for the first time. And I get to share what I really like. I've discovered shimmer brushes. Ooh, what (laughs) are those? Oh, my gosh. They are, like, the most pigmented brush pens I've ever seen. And I have a lot. (laughs) Uh, But they're actually shimmery. Like, not sparkles, not glitter, but shimmery. Like they actually shimmer on the page, but they're like super pigmented, shimmery, medium-sized brushes. Mm. Um, 
I ordered a couple and then I ordered a bunch more because I was like, (laughs) what the heck is this? So just, just, it's fun for me. And that's not something that they're like highlighting this month. It's not something specific to the current catalog. It's just something I like. And so I've been doing, I did a giveaway for it and I've been sharing it. It's just, it's nice to be able to share with people who get it. and and be a part of the industry and be a part of the community in my own way. I love that. I love how you've kind of found a new avenue of excitement um, and you can integrate this into all the other things that you've tried. Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I'm really happy for you. I think in the way, the way <laughs> I, cause I watched your video before I even asked you to be on the podcast and it was just so uh, genuine, I think. And I could tell that you were really ready for this shift. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I think the other thing I said in that video, you just reminded me. And what I'm always trying to do is, um, I don't want to say be a, <laughs> be a disruptor, but, you know, whatever the next level down from that is, I think... <laughs> You know, I think we, we've done a good job in the past 10 years or so of shifting the scrapbook world. And especially in the last couple of years, I would say to be much more inclusive. Um, but I think there's, you know, there's always still a lot of work to do. And there aren't a lot of companies that um, make things really accessible for people with chronic illness or have a focus on that type of learning. And there are a lot of companies who still their primary marketing shows kids in the suburbs or, (laughs) you know, things like that, which is, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I hope that I have kids in the suburbs soon, but, um, you know, in order to be inclusive, we have to show more stories. And I feel like I'm I'm certainly not the best uh, representative of that, but I have lived in a lot of cities and big cities and um, that were very diverse and cosmopolitan. And my my friend group tends to be, you know, from all over the country. And I don't have kids, and I live with chronic illness, and so I use the really cutesy ones that they show with baby pictures with my dogs, <laughs> you know, cause I want to use cutesy scrapbook paper. So then I just, if I am in that mood, then I'll use it with my dogs. And I want to say, Hey, if you don't have kids, it's totally okay to use this cutesy scrapbooking paper with your dog or your mug or, you know, like your flowers, like whatever you want to use it with. If that's your life's if your life is not in that place. And I feel like it's important to kind of push that. So I feel like I can push maybe the norm a little bit from most of the makers on um, close to my heart. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. And I think it's, it's an important step. And I think it just further kind of uh, solidifies all the reasons that you have to, to take this new direction. Yeah. Well, I will include all of the links of things that you've mentioned, including even the the woo-woo stuff in the the beginning. (laughs) Um, But can you share where we can find you online? Anything we can expect from you towards the end of this year? Yeah. Uh, So I'm Wilder Stories is my main just personal scrapbooking Instagram I've had forever at Wilder Stories. And then 
Amanda Wilder Close to My Heart, which is actually just CTMH. Amanda Wilder CTMH is my Close to My Heart account. Uh, And then my website is wilderstories.com. And you can find some old podcast episodes from my podcast, The Everyday Artist, which was about just, you know, the importance of art every day, especially in tough circumstances. Not currently active, but there's um, a handful of old episodes on there, so you can find that too. I think that's, oh, and I'm, I think I'm A Wilder Photo Walks is just my photo regular person Instagram. Okay. You, know, <laughs> you can't combine your regular person Instagram with your scrapbooking Instagram. You have to have a separate, you know, idea. I've lost track of how many accounts that I have. So. Oh my gosh, same, right? Okay, I'm glad I'm not the only one. That's why I can't remember. Yeah, Wilder Photo Walks is just photography-based. Yes. Um, lots of places. And upcoming, um, so I'm going to be leading with a group of brand ambassadors that done by December. I'm going to be um, helping to lead that challenge where I think it was started by Jess Forrester. Yes. Awesome. Yeah couple years ago and it's just the idea of taking any albums that are not done and finishing those so I can't remember all the there's like six or seven other brand ambassadors who are going to be helping to encourage us all <laughs> to, to motivate us all to try to finish an album that's not finished yet and I'm going to be working on last year since I was moving and didn't really get to do it and I'm going to be in the product play class, which I'm totally excited about. That's Ali Edwards, December Daily. It's a class that sort of goes along with it. You don't need to have the products. You probably already have <laughs> products that you can use if you've been scrapbooking for any number of years at all. But it, the way they're doing it is really cool this year with 10 different products shown at different levels, which I love. So there's level one which and level one is not better than level three. It's just level, level one is like, if you just want to use it in a really easy, simple way that doesn't take a lot of work, it's basically time-based. And then up to level three would be one that might take like an hour to do the whole um, page. So I'm doing a level three with transparencies. When I first got it, I didn't, I said, is level three transparencies even a thing? <laughs> <laughs> So, but I came up with an idea. I'm going to be making a mini album, um, highlighting some of my favorite Christmas books. So, um, yeah, so that'll be fun. I think it's on discount right now, uh, maybe through the end of the month. If you sign up, I can't remember. Um, Definitely a level three. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping I like, how can I make this like a level three item? Well, I, I really like how having the different levels remind you that I think there's sometimes pressure that everything in your album needs to be a level three, like yeah. every, every number, oh, every page now. needs to be like this, like creative masterpiece. And no, sometimes yeah. it could just be like a photo with some words on it. No, I think it's brilliant. It's like, because it's, it was starting to feel like that was the pressure that, or the feeling you got from the, the, the examples was always like this amazing thing that you're like, that's so cool, but like, I can't do that (laughs) on every page. So yeah, I think it's a wonderful way. And I'm so excited. There's Allie's doing it. And then almost all the brand ambassadors are doing it. And it's such a cool group of people. So I'm really excited to see what everyone makes. And then on the close to my heart side, I'm going to be doing 
Oh my God. I think I'm going to be doing a YouTube, which is kind of crazy. I said I would never do it, but in one way or another, I'm going to be doing process videos called copy and create, um, where I do the exact copy. Oh, copy and change. I'm going to do exactly the layouts from close to my heart, following their steps exactly. And then I'm going to use that as a springboard to create something in one of my ongoing projects, either my October album or my project life or my, you know, whatever, something I'm going to use it as like a launching pad to create for ideas to create a page somewhere oh, else. That's really fun. I love that idea of like almost like a warm up activity too. Like, yeah, to really remember, remind your brain, this is how we scrapbook. Yes. And on my, like, I might record the copy one. <laughs> I'm calling it the copy one. It's just the cr- following the directions from close to my heart one on a day when I have less energy. And then I might mm-hmm. do the other one on a day when I have more energy. And I hope to share that and hopefully maybe give, give some ideas and inspo there. Um, then I'm going to be doing some a personality type series. I'm a big Myers-Briggs nerd and I'm going to be doing some, a whole series of like how to approach, where to start, you know, how to, how to kind of, how your brain might work in different ways as you scrapbook, depending on your personality type, using examples from close to my heart. And I know that you've done a lot of exploration with this as well in your community and books and whatnot. And I think it's a really fun subject that I'm passionate about. So yeah, different learning types, different personalities, just really going deeper into that. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds fun. I'm excited. You know, even though you're stretching yourself by doing YouTube, I think it's going to be awesome. So my gosh, yeah, I'm afraid to even say it. I'm like, maybe I'll just do Vimeo first. (laughs) And like, really, it's one at a time. So no one can see it. I don't know. But yeah, I think well, I did a um, I did a process video because I was a guest storyteller for Allie Edwards story kit recently. And that was my first process video ever. And I was kind of like, it was the least professional <laughs> process video probably ever in, in the history of Valley Edwards, but it, g- it gave me this feeling of like, oh, like I could do this, <laughs> you know, like this isn't, this isn't so bad, but I kind of had to be forced into it. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> this is not as hard as I imagined it would be. So I'm, I'm excited to work on that and hopefully provide something that um, is enjoyable for people. It'll get easier with time. So, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Well, you've been such an inspiration to me over the years, and I know you've done so much to contribute to the scrapbooking community and to break stereotypes and, you know, rules and all that about about scrapbooking. So I definitely appreciate your contribution, and it's really fun to be able to talk to you and, you know, follow what's going on in the community. Oh, thank you, Amanda. This has been such a lovely conversation. I'm so glad we could spend time together. Me too. And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. 